say welcome to you. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here, and uh, we also want to say welcome to those of you watching in our parent viewing room. That's a great option if you have little ones that might get fussy during the service. Just past the donuts and coffee down that hallway is a room where you can watch the whole service live uh, with your little ones. Well, right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes if you want to grab those out along with your pen, and uh, you can fill in the blanks and take that along with you today. We're excited to be starting a brand new series called I Love My City. And uh, this is going to be a three-week series. And then, believe it or not, uh, at the end of this month is our fifth Sunday. And we'll talk more about that later. But then we're into our Christmas series already, which is absolutely amazing to me. Uh, But I really am excited for this series because my hope is that it would cause all of us to examine our personal responsibility in which the cities we live How many of you have ever seen like those top 10 lists like of the best cities to live in America, right? Have you ever perused one of those and just like hope that your city was on there just so it would bring some validation to your life? You know what I'm saying? You just thought, man, I hope my city is on there. Well, I recently just saw one of these and the number one city they said to live in the United States, Austin, Texas, (laughs) kind of far from us. Uh, They're the live musical capital of the world, if you didn't know that. Uh, substantially lower unemployment rate than the national average, no state income tax, right? Some of you are already packing your bags. Uh, eight colleges and universities, clean water. And, and I think, well, what city doesn't have clean water? I don't get that. But anyway, clean water, they say. Uh, plenty of open space around the metro area, 228 sunny days per year, right? How many could use that? I would take it. With temperatures rarely following, falling below the average of 40 degrees, Uh, So that's a very nice city to live in. If I were to ask you this morning, what do you love about your city? What do you love about the place that you live? Uh, Oftentimes we would think this. We, We think, what great things does my city offer to me? What is in it for my benefit, which is a very normal thought. But instead, your very first fill in today, instead of thinking of the reasons You love your city, as in what you get out of it. What if I love my city became a statement of responsibility that drove us to action? What if it was a statement of responsibility that drove us to action? What if we found reasons to give back and to bless others and make a difference in our city? How would God want us to love our city? You see, when we started thinking about Uh, the kind of church we wanted Riverway to be. Uh, To be honest, as as we began, the eight of us began to uh, sit down and really discuss what what it would flesh out as and what it would look like and and why are we creating a different expression of church. Everything we came up with was something kind of out of the box and something that we hadn't seen or heard because we talked about what it would look like to lead with blessing a city. What would that look like to give back to the city? And if you haven't been Riverway long, uh, we could tell you that there's only three things we do here at Riverway Church. We bless our community, we have Sunday morning services, and we do small groups, and that's it. Those are the only things we do. Those are the only three things that we'll ever do. And blessing our city and blessing our community has always been front and forward for us. And that's why we came up with the idea of Fifth Sunday. When anytime there's a Fifth Sunday, we cancel all church services, and instead we do an all-church community project. Because we really believe that we must become the hands and feet of Christ to our community. We began to ask ourselves, what if we could make a difference by blessing those around us? You see, Jesus modeled this again and again for us in the New Testament by healing the sick and feeding the hungry and restoring lives, bringing hope to people that were hopeless, all before they started following him. 
What an amazing thought. We think to ourselves, this would make sense if Jesus did all of these things after they said, yes, of course we'll follow you. Well, in that case, I'd be happy to feed you. In that case, I'd be happy to clothe you. In that case, I'd be happy to set you free. But in all reality, Jesus was doing those things ever before people professed him as the Christ. And in the, New, in the Old Testament, we read a passage in Jeremiah 29 that gives us a glimpse into God's heart for the city. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah 29, and in just a moment you can follow along on the screen otherwise. But this letter was a letter written to the exiles in Babylon as they were captured from Israel. They were a group of people that were thrown into a place they didn't belong, and they felt completely out of place. Exiles from all over were in this land. They all had radically different views when it came to politics, radically different views when it came to, moral, came to morality, radically different views on religion or just the world around them. Does that sound familiar at all about the land you live in today? Well, how are we to respond to that? How do you live in that? And what do you do with it? Because we live in a society where much of the exile feeling still exists. And actually, the Bible talks about that, that you will feel like strangers in this world because this world is not our home, but yet we live for the other side, heaven and eternity. And yet here in the U.S. of A., here in the city of Champlin or the cities that you live, there's this feeling of exile, all kinds of people together that have all different ideas of how things should be. You have the liberals that feel that our country is so conservative that they're pulling their hair out Interestingly enough, conservatives feel equally as strong that our country is far too liberal, and so they're pulling their hair out. But how can liberals and conservatives both feel like exiles, like they or others don't belong? How is that possible? Your next feeling, because we live in a broken and fragmented society. We live in a broken and a fragmented society. We can't agree on what is wrong or what is right or how things should be run. So how do you live in that kind of city? How do you live in that kind of society? Well, God in this passage answers that exact question, and it's, a, it's really a message for us today in the way that we should love our city. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7 says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You too will prosper. Now, here's what you need to understand about Babylon, is that Babylon was not a nice city to live in. It was full of violence. It was full of false gods. It was full of all sorts of sin and debauchery and all sorts of things that were going on. And yet God, in the middle of that kind of city, says to the exiles, listen, I want you to seek peace and prosperity for your city. Now, I'm sure there were people that would have raised their hands and said, whoa, whoa, hold on, God, one second. You know, don't you see all the crime going on? Don't you see all the sin going on? Don't you see all the division going on? I don't really think we should settle down here at all. I don't think we should seek the peace and prosperity. I think we should climb into a hole, God. I think we should go into a cave and just live out our days. 
And yet God gives the opposite instruction. He says, live in it. Raise your families in it. You be the culture setter for your city. Seek its peace and seek its prosperity. God is saying, don't engage the city just so that you can have your own little niche of comfort. But do what you do for the greater whole of everyone around you. See, there are many that only want to take from the city because that's our human tendency. It's us trying to make a name for ourselves, for recognition, for power, achievement, money. But because that is the end goal, for many, life seems exhausting and depressing. Going again and again, day after day, day after day, to get more money, more power, more achievement. To get, get, get. Yet a path that never seems to have a destination because it's never enough. It never satisfies. And yet that kind of city also feels very oppressed. Because of our objectives of reaching, growing, climbing higher and higher, we're very happy to step on others to get there. Which causes this level of oppression in the city. And yet your next feeling, God's view of our role in the city is very different. That because we have God's grace, right, which we just came out of this series on finding grace, because we have God's grace, we already know who we are. We already know that we're loved. We already know that we've been accepted. There's not this growing uh, determination inside of us to prove ourselves because of Christ, we've already been proven. What an amazing thought that we already know who we are. We already have been accepted. We're already loved. So because of that, we don't approach the city out of need, but out of a desire to give. This focus of life leads to joy, peace, and prosperity. We don't approach the city with a mentality of, I need, I need, but rather, I want to give, I want to give. See, because society says, your life should benefit me. But God's way says, here's my life to benefit you. So God says, work in the city. Not for your sake, but for the city's sake. We must be the best citizens around we don't live here to make ourselves successful, but to make the city successful. It's this whole idea of prosperity, that we would want to see the city prosper. And God says, not only do I want you to seek the prosperity of your city, I want you to seek the peace of your city. Now, we get this word peace in this passage from this Hebrew word called shalom, and maybe you're familiar somewhat with that word shalom. It's used uh, here and there in culture. And you might think of the word peace as just absent of violence or maybe just a quiet soul, that that's what peace is. But actually, each Hebrew word has very deep and, and conveys feeling and it conveys this intent and emotion behind every single word. And this word shalom uh, actually means more than simply just peace, your next feeling. It rather is a complete peace. A complete peace. It's a, it's a feeling of contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. 
That's what this word shalom means. And so when God says, I want you to seek the peace of your city and the peace for your city, I want you to work for the social peace of your city. I don't know if, if, if you've ever seen through social media how quick people are to put each other down or people hold on to their biases and those types of things. It's amazing to me to see. But God says, I want you to work towards the social peace of your city. I want you to work on the economic peace of your city, the relational peace for your city, the spiritual peace for your city. You see, many of us are much like these boats in the water right up here. And, and for many of us that this is our life, we think to ourselves, the only way that I can get ahead is if I shoot down the other boats and I can get them to sink, right? This is our dog-eat-dog dog type world mentality. That in order for my boat to raise, I've got to shoot down the other boats. And so we get our cannons ready, right? And we get our ammo ready. And we're ready to take out others that would stand in our way. And yet God says, I want this to be your mentality. That you would come and that you would seek the peace and prosperity of your city by giving. And when you give, not only do you raise your level and capsize some boats in the process, excuse me, but you raise the level for everyone else around you. That's what God is instructing us to do. He's saying, I want you to raise the water level for everybody in your city. It's not just about you and your world and your job and your hopes and your future, but God says, I want you to have that kind of heart for everyone in the city. To be able to say, not I love my city because it has beautiful trees and because they have a nice playground and because they have lower taxes and because they have 121 sunny days a year. But God would want us to say, I love my city through actions of love. I love my city by dot, dot, dot. I love my city and will dot, dot, dot. Because what are we here for? We're here for money, for power, for security. If you hadn't noticed, none of those things last. None of them last. We aren't here for any of those things. But rather, God would have us say, city, we are here for you. We are here for the city. And what's an amazing thing is that when you get enough people around that kind of idea, amazing things can happen in a city. When there's enough people that have aligned their hearts with God's heart for the city, suddenly big accomplishments can be had towards peace and prosperity of the city. It's amazing if you've ever stu uh, studied uh, Roman history, back in the 300 AD, around that time frame, there was plagues that hit all sorts of Roman cities. And because of these plagues, people were dying left and right. People were, I mean, it was, it was terrible. And so people, because of it, were fleeing the city. They were running away from the epicenter. Much like this crisis of Ebola, where while many are fleeing, there are many that are going in. Well, during this time frame, not only were they fleeing the city, but they were shunning anyone around them as not to get sick. Abandoning their own families, their own friends. But as many as were running out, 
there were Christians who were running in with blankets and with food. And they said that simply with blankets and food, the survival rate increased 85%. And so while everyone was running out, the Christians were running in with food and with blankets, and many survived because of these efforts. And this was, at this period of time, in part, what made Rome the Christian capital of the world. It was because of these Christians' efforts to serve. And when you think about the climate that changed that entire area of the world, it was not because people took over by force or in power or elected the right people into office, but it was because they served. My life for you. Our lives for you. They said, I love my city enough to run in when everyone else was running out. I love my city, and so I will gather my blankets and my food and seek those that are sick and dying. I love my city enough to make a difference through Christ-like action. You see, as followers of Christ, we should be the most loving, the most giving, the most willing, the most sacrificial. Why? Because we have been accepted, because we've already been loved, because we've already been forgiven, because our needs have already been met. And so here is our next step for today, and it's your next fill-in. And it's this, that my actions today will determine the culture, peace, and prosperity of my city tomorrow. My actions today will determine the culture of my city tomorrow. Let me say that again, because that was good. My actions today will determine the culture of my city tomorrow. And as a church, you know what I would say? That our actions today will determine the culture of our city tomorrow. See, we can complain all day long, and we're good at it, let's admit it. We can complain all day long about this policy or that policy or blame our government or our city leaders but what about our responsibility? What about our role in making it what it can be? Because I believe that this is true, your next villain, that we gain influence through the consistency and dedication of our service. There's nothing more and nothing less. You don't gain influence by forcing your way in. You don't gain influence by standing on a soapbox and telling people what you're against more than you're for. You don't gain influence in a city by demanding your rights. We gain influence through consistency and dedication of our service. Michael Foucault, who is a postmodern theorist, said this about human nature, and I find it quite interesting. He said, ordinarily, the way we form an identity is that we find an identity factor that makes us feel good about ourselves 
And we get a sense of self-worth by despising the people that don't have it. In other words, he's saying this. If I feel good about me being a hard worker, I despise everybody around me who's lazy or who I deem as lazy. If I consider myself a spiritual or moral person, a religious person, it means that I despise those that I perceive as not being any of those things. And so here's how everyone gets an identity. Excuse me, I'm okay. I feel good about myself because I'm not like them, right? It's one boat shooting down the other. But what if our identity is not in differences? But what if our identity is found in Christ? Your identity not in being a churchgoer or a chair warmer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being religious and hitting up church Christmas, Easter, and hey, we're religious. And yeah, I believe the Bible. And, but what if you find your identity in Christ? To understand that I'm loved, not because I'm moral or better, but because Jesus Christ died for me when I was not living the way that he wanted me to. When I was far from him, he still came after me. How can I now look at others who are doing wrong and not feel the same compassion towards them? You see, being in Christ, your next fill-in, empowers me Being in Christ empowers me to go into the city and bless it regardless of where we disagree. It empowers me. And here's the difference. And maybe you've, I don't know, have you ever noticed this? I've noticed this. That our society says, we'll accept you as long as you agree with our our, our point of view. We will accept you as long as you change to become like us. We will accept you as long as you agree that truth is relative and morality is relative. If you will adopt our worldview, we will accept you as a society. But Christ, listen to this. This is amazing. Christ gives us a way to accept those who don't believe as we do because Christ accepted us when we didn't believe in him. Did you catch that? He's given us a way to accept those that don't believe the same the way that we do. And that's okay. It doesn't stop us from blessing the city. It doesn't stop us from, from pursuing the peace and prosperity of the city. And what if we began to look through a different lens of how God would want to use your life and my life right here, right now for the city? Not to make you busier, but to make you more intentional. Jesus sums it up this way in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, So Jesus had just explained all that and given us this frame of reference and given us this word picture for this moment. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your, 
What's that word? Good deeds. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, in order for you to be the light of the city, I want your light to shine before others that they might see that time when you got up on the soapbox and you really let them have it. The time at that city council meeting when you really let your thoughts be known or through social media or whatever it was. But he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And this word good deeds is the same as deeds of service. That's really what it's meaning. That they may see your deeds of service and glorify your Father in heaven. It's why we decided early on that Riverway Church wasn't going to do things for the sake of Riverway Church. That we were going to do things that we might bless and prosper the city. And that's how it came about with us now running in conjunction with the city our Easter egg hunt every year. We decided early on it wouldn't make sense for us to have our own Easter egg hunt. But why wouldn't we take all of our efforts and put it towards what the city is already doing. Well, Ryan, I don't know. It really doesn't give you a good opportunity to preach the gospel if you're not the one running it. Maybe that's not the point. I remember when I met with the park administrator about us helping with the city egg hunt, and I went to him and I said, hey, I know you've been doing this egg hunt, and you know, you've got your 5,000 eggs out there, and man, that's awesome. But I was just wondering if our church could help could we come alongside of you? And he's like, well, yeah, I guess we're always looking for help. What would you have in mind? And I said, well, you know, I think it would be awesome if we could come along and we would want to donate like another 10,000 eggs to your efforts. And he just looked at me and his first question was, well, what would you put in the eggs? Candy? You know? He didn't know us very well. He knew we were a church. I think he was like expecting us to be putting gospel tracks in every single egg, you know, 10,000 tracks that say turn or burn, you know, as kids open it. Hey, you know, oh, you got a $20 bill. Just kidding. It's not a $20 bill. It's a track. That's awesome. Right, you know what I'm saying? And so I said, we just do candy. And I said, we'd love to set up free coffee and water and, and we'll come and we'll bring a PA system and we'll do the music. And I mean, because they were using like these little megaphones. I mean, they couldn't hear anybody. And so we just decided that we were going to come alongside him and instead of doing our own thing, how can we bless and prosper the city? And from that, it grew to Father Hennepin Days where we hand out free pop all day long to teacher appreciation breakfasts and encouragement in our city, to the park cleanups, to the school cleanups, to last year when we bought over 1,000 books for this elementary school to help kids that could never afford their own to funding our local shop with a cop program that the city could not fund, and so they came and knocked on our door and said, would you be willing to help fund this for us? It's a program that's important to us. It's why we do Miracle Sunday, which is only four weeks from, five weeks from today. It's why at the high school we have our own closet and we supply all the teachers with all their supplies so they don't have to purchase anything out of their own pocket. It's why we do block of blessing when over 160 of us show up for eight hours on one day to bless an entire block and make a difference. It's why we bought the benches out front and it's why we help the shelf, the local, uh, 
the local pantry at the high school for teenagers who are in need and don't have clothes or food, those that are homeless. It's why we've allowed this to snowball year after year after year after year. Why? Because we love our city the way that God would want us to. To not live in our city out of selfishness or to say, I'm in it for me, but rather I will love my city by doing this, this, and this. So the question is, are you seeking its peace and prosperity? Are you loving it and blessing it? Or are you living in it just to get what you can out of it? It's an amazing thought in your last film is that God didn't win you over with power and force, but by loving you and serving you. We are not to strong arm our way into people's lives or the culture of our city, but rather through service. And we believe that when we lead through blessing and service, suddenly people's hearts are open to the message that we carry. It reminds me of this really old hymn called Lead On, O King Eternal. And it says this, Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace. For not with swords loud clashing, nor roll of stirring drums, with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Would you close your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray together? Heavenly Father, I pray in these few precious moments that we have together as we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts that our idea and heart and mind for the city would change drastically. That we as individuals and corporately as a body of believers would be able to say we love our city. And that it would be love through action that would drive us. And so corporately, we ask for your forgiveness for our biases that have held us back from keeping the social peace of our city. We ask for your forgiveness for at times pushing others down so that we can be lifted up. We ask for your forgiveness for the times that we have not contributed in giving back through acts of service, acts of kindness. Forgive us for our selfishness that is so hard of to let go. And we ask in this moment that you would remind us of how you came to us to serve, not to be served. And that you were willing to love us when we were unlovable 
and extended an arm towards us when our back was to you. And yet you still came, and yet you still died. And yet even this morning, you offer us grace and mercy, even when it's undeserved. Would you help us to now be that extended to our city? Would you change our minds and our hearts in this moment? Give us desire to want to give back and to want to live sacrificially, to be the kind of citizens that you would say, well done. And through our acts of love and through our acts of service, by seeking the peace and prosperity of our city, Heavenly Father, we invite you to change human hearts that they too would find forgiveness in their time of need. And we would tear down every wall and love the way that you'd have us to love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said,